Hallelujah. We're going to get in the Word tonight. But then we're going to turn the pastors, the ministers loose. Thank you, sir. And we're going to minister prophetically. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Say that one more time. Come and abide. Hallelujah. He said, with me, without me, you can do nothing. Is that what Jesus said? Without me, you can do nothing. But I'm so glad I'm not without him. Oh, man, you didn't, I don't think you heard that. See, if you weren't here during the during the day, it's, you know, you're kind of, Getting into the flow tonight, which is which is great. We're, we're so glad you're here. You can't be without him anymore. Two of you say amen. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So why do we always emphasize the negative? Without him I can do nothing. But I thought you weren't without him. He said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? This is what's going to change the tide. See, it's, you, you have to come from a different understanding of what God is saying. Amen? Come with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Hallelujah. In my father's house are many mansions. That means dwelling places. So you got to find your place in him. Did you hear that? You got to find your place in him. You got to you got to know what it means in him we live, in him we move. In him we have our being. You know the scripture says apostles first, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 28. I know I said, Ruth, just, you can turn there. Just, just hear what the Lord is saying tonight. Amen? Apostles first. Say that, apostles first. Secondarily, prophets. Hey, brother. Can I go to the SOP with you? It's been a while. It's good to see you. It just dawned on me. I know that face. Hallelujah. You know, God's doing a new thing in your life. The Lord is saying that you went through some things that really broke your heart. And it's like it took the wind out of your sails. And God is saying you've been faithful, you've been true. He calls you faithful. You've had some ups and downs, but the Lord is saying because you've stayed on course, this year is going to be a great year for you. God's really fashioned some character in you. There's been some it's like you've been on the potter's wheel, so to speak, and just, it's just I hear the Lord saying a flourish and disappointment. Do I have the right address? Does that kind of make sense to you? Some things that God's bringing to you. So be encouraged. He's commending you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. What was I talking about? Hmm? Oh, apostles first. Apostles first, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. That's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 
That's not just government, that's a function. That's the divine order in presenting the Word of God. And I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to touch the pastors tonight, and of course all of us, and help us in our understanding of what aspects of truth we need to bring forth first. See, if, when you listen to an apostle, he's going to bring certain things out of the Word of God, right? If you listen to an evangelist, he's going to present certain things, certain truths from the Word. It's all the Word, it's all true, but there's different attributes or different emphasis in the Word of God. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, he says, look, you've got to function apostolically first. What does that mean? That means... I know you too. Don't I? You've been to Malaysia, haven't you? Yeah, I remember you. Got that grace from Paul. I don't want these faces like this. Say apostles first. Say function. Not title, function. It's a function. It's a, it's a way to present the word. So when you hear an apostolic message, one of the major things it's going to do is going to show you who you are in Christ. Who Christ is in you. Christ in you and you in Christ. That's the centrality of apostolic doctrine. Amen? Why is that important? Because the, the second order is prophetic dimension. That is in the future. So prophets are going to reveal what God is saying in the future. They're going, to, they're going to show you the process. Joseph had a dream, but God had to work on him. Right? He had a dream, but he had to be processed. So what happens is this. God wants to shift things in our land. Why? Because sometimes we're saying prophetic things first. We emphasize that first, what God is going to do in the future. But hope is in the future. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. So many of you are, are going through things tonight because you, it's like you keep, it's like a carrot in front of the horse. It's like something's get coming, something in the future is coming, come on, endure something in the future is coming, and then you turn around the, the corner and it seems to never come, and then your problem is it's, it's coming. Does that make sense to you? And there are things coming. God is doing things in the future, but what we need to present and what we need to reveal is who we are now in Christ. That's what the brothers were saying. They're saying it in different ways. It's that expression is coming forth. And I really believe the Spirit of God wants to just hit you tonight with a revelation of who you are in Him now. Hallelujah. God has great things in the future for us. Amen? But you're living in today. And we need, we need to know what is today. Today, if you hear His voice. Hallelujah. Amen? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if I keep telling you future things, one day, one day, one day, man, you're, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get tired. Because it's like, it's like it never happens. That's why you've got to realize the river wants to flow now. Holy Ghost wants to use you now. Christ is in you right now. And yes, you're growing. And yes, God's preparing you for greater things. But I, I don't want to preach that to you. I want to preach to you the first things first. Amen? Hallelujah. So I just believe that God is shifting us. It's just a little adjustment, and it's going to help us get rolling. Hallelujah. So let me give you the word of the Lord, which will be, uh, you know, I don't want to get you to get hung up on terminology, but Ruth chapter 1, it's an apostolic word. Hallelujah. Prophetic word. Praise the Lord. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. Now go to John chapter 20. John and in chapter 20. And in verse 17. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. 
For I have not ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren. Say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. This is the word of the Lord for us tonight. That He doesn't want us to just be mindful of the corporate covenant relationships we have. It's wonderful that we're covenant. We need that. Amen? We need, we need to be loyal to each other. We need to be loyal to our pastors. We need, we need to have this kind of order in the house. But the Spirit of God wants you to remember your first, your first connection is in heaven. You have to begin to identify with God the Father and realize the same Father Jesus has is your Father. You're not a servant anymore. Are you hearing that? But you're sons of God. So come with me to Galatians. This is so important for us because if we don't know what ground we're standing on, it's going to be really difficult to get anything done for the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'll just teach a little bit and then we'll get into that. Is that okay? Are you, are you, are you getting something? Say, so your God shall be my God. Let's confess that. Your God shall be my God. Your Father is my Father. See, we've said that to one another with an understanding of covenant. With, with one another in leadership. And we need that. That's government. But you know what? We need to say that as a church to Jesus. Jesus, your God shall be my God. Jesus, your Father is my Father. And it's going to set you free when you do that. I said it's going to set you free because he who the Son says free is free indeed. Oh, glory to God. Galatians chapter 4. In verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law in order that he might redeem those who were under the law and that we might receive the adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father therefore you're no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God say that I'm a son of God do you believe that Chapter 4, verse 1, I say as long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a slave. A slave, although he's owner or lord of all, he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. You see that there? The date set by the father. The date set by the father is not a chronological date. See, you determine your own promotion. You can go as fast and hard in God as you want to go. God is not determining your promotion. There's no date set by the Father with this understanding. The date set by the Father is when He sees you're growing up. He gives you more to do. Are you hearing that? Let me show you what I mean. Let's go to the book of Matthew. I just feel that so strong in my heart. Your God shall be my God. Your Father is my Father. We need that. We need that understanding. Oh, praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 21. This is what Jesus is saying to you tonight in verse 28. He said, what do you think? But what do you think? He said, who do men say that I am? So he's talking the same way in verse 28, Matthew 21, 28. But what do you think? So he's asking you a question tonight. 
I said, Jesus is talking to you tonight. He's asking you a question. What do you think? A man had two sons. That's a bad translation. It said two children. Two children. He came to the first and said, child, go work today in the vineyard. He answered and said, I will go, sir. And he did not go. He came to the second and said the same thing, meaning go work in the vineyard. But the second child answered, I will not. And yet afterwards he regretted it and went. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the latter. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax gatherers and the harlots get into the kingdom of God before you. John came into the... God, John came to you in the way of righteousness. You did not believe him. And he goes on. Your God shall be my God. Your Father is my Father. Are you getting this tonight? You are now sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So if you're taking notes from this parable, we can draw out some principles. And the first one is this, is you're a child until you go to work. You're a child until you go to work. You're a son, no matter what, but your maturity level is determined by how you go to work. So what is the work? It's to destroy the works of the devil. It's not about how long we're Christians, how long we've been in church, how long, how long we've been, you know, we've been trained. At some point, we have to do what we've been trained to do. Are you hearing that? That's why you have to have this revelation. Your God is my God. Your Father is my Father. Why? Because if you don't do that, then you don't feel capable to do what He's called you to do. All right, let me break it down a little more. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and they got healed? Or not even just got healed, just the last time you were obedient. When's the last time you witnessed to someone, told them about Jesus? Are you guys hearing in the back? Don't talk. Listen to what I'm saying. Are you hearing that? Your God shall be my God. Your Father is my Father. But if you think you're a servant, if you, if you think you're an Old Testament saint, if you, if you think that, you know, God's adding to you and one day you're going to be anointed enough, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So what determined if, if, if the child became a full-grown son when he went to work? Someone say, it's time to work. Hallelujah. But it's a good thing. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, as to men, but as to men of the flesh, or carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now do you realize he's talking to the most gifted church in the New Testament? He said that you're not spiritual. You're babies and you're carnal. Then nine chapters later in chapter 12, he goes through all the gifts of the Spirit, teaches on it, and says you guys aren't behind in any gift. So you don't have to be spiritual to operate the gifts of the Spirit. But what do we learn? We think that one day we'll become spiritual enough and God will give us a gift. That it, that's so opposite of the New Testament. 
I said today, just like a woman is pregnant, you can't be more pregnant than you already are. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're either a son or you're not a son. When you're born again, Jesus recreates your spirit in His image and His likeness, and now you're complete. Absolutely complete. Say that I'm complete in Him. What's left to do is to grow. What's left to do is is to develop. Amen? And how are you going to develop? You, you grow when you go. I said you grow when you go. You don't grow by sitting and, and hearing the Word and keep hearing the Word. And one day you're going to grow up and suddenly this, God's going to dump power on you and you'll be anointed. It's never going to work that way. It's going to be when you step out and you start doing this stuff. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why God believes in you. God, God invested, on, he invested His Spirit in you. See, in the Old Testament, the anointing, you remember the scripture, Luke chapter 4, Isaiah 61, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me. So what came first, the Spirit or the anointing? The anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me. In the Old Testament, in First Samuel chapter 9 and throughout there, so, uh, the prophet Samuel began to anoint David. And then it says, and from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Say so the anointing. Then the Spirit. So God anoints us first. But what are we here today? You're going to get a prophetic anointing. You're going to get a healing anointing. One day you'll be anointed. Old Testament, they, the anointing was for a position. The prophet anointed the king. He anointed Saul to be king. He anointed David to be king. So once the anointing came, that person was put into an office. The, the furniture in the temple was anointed by the priest for a specific function. Are, are you guys with me? Are you okay tonight? Why is this important? Because you need, you need to understand what you receive when you receive Jesus. Amen? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we, we don't understand. So the anointing in the Old Testament was to put someone into a position for a specific function. So how does that work for us today in the New Testament? The, the Apostle John says you have an, an anointing that abides. An anointing that abides. And then we just read in Galatians, because you are sons. Did you hear that? Because you are sons. He sent forth the Spirit of His Son. It's the same as in the Old Testament as in the New but in the New Testament, you're anointed. What's your anointing? A son. You're anointed as a son. You're pl- you are in the position of a son. And because you're a son, God sends the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. But you're a child till you go to work. So as long as you're waiting for it to happen, it's like a wrong concept because you're in God's greenhouse, you know, and you're, and you're just growing and one day you'll become anointed. It's not true because you're already anointed. You can never be more anointed than you are now. You just have to grow as a son. That's who's on the inside of you. So can you see how this, this concept can cripple us from doing the work of God? That's why we have to rise up prophetically and say, Lord, your God is my God. Your Father is my Father. Hallelujah. The anointing that abides. That's sonship. It doesn't mean you're mature, but it means you're a son. You're in the family. 
So in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal people, as to babes in Christ. So just remember that. Carnal, unspiritual, babes in Christ. So we, none of us want to live there, right? You don't want to be carnal. You don't want to, you don't want to be a baby in Christ. You don't want to be unspiritual. So let's find out what it means. In verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. For you are not able to receive it, even indeed now you're still not able. They weren't able to receive solid food. What did Paul give them? Talk to me. What did he give them? Milk. Do you realize there are doctrines in 1 Corinthians that have been fought about for 2,000 years? And Paul said all of it is milk. See, meat is not you dig in the Word, you find out the Greek, and you get a revelation. Ooh, I got the meat of the Word. No. Jesus said, my meat is to do. My meat is to do. As long as you hear and don't do, you're just having milk. You're a baby. But once you start to do it, it becomes meat. So can you see how the devil wants to stop you? He wants to convince you. You're not ready. You can't do anything. You're not anointed. One day you'll be anointed. Time's not now. In the future. All this stuff is hit, he tries to hit us. And it's not that we don't. We need leadership. We need, we need to be in covenant, in, in ranks, and doing what God wants us to do. But God wants you to see what you can do now, what he can do through you now. Verse 3, you're still, you're still carnal. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? Notice what he said. Since there's jealousy. What's jealousy all about? Identity crisis. Why would I be jealous of you? Or why would you be jealous of me? Because you don't know who your daddy is. You don't know who your father is. Are you hearing that? That's, that's, where, that's where all that comes from. And then he says, because there's strife, jealousy and strife among you. Strife is not just arguing, but it's striving. We're not supposed to strive. All right, let's talk about the anointing again. Remember, you're anointed, then the Spirit comes upon you. Is that true? So you're in the New Testament. Because you're a son of God, he sends the Spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Then what does it mean that the, the anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage? The anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage because the yoke was what the oxen wore, right? And the anointing had to do with becoming fat or becoming healthy and strong. So what he's saying is this. It's a picture that when you grow up and you begin to mature, certain things just break off your life. It's not because you need someone to lay hands on you or cast the devil out of you. You just grow out of it. Depression can't touch you anymore. Sickness can't touch you anymore. Are you hearing that? That's why even in the Scripture, there's, there's really only three biblical reasons for the laying on of hands. One is to heal the sick, which is believers laying hands on unbelievers. That's Mark 16. They shall lay hands on the sick. It, the context is the Great Commission. The context is believers laying hands on unbelievers. So how can a believer, how, how can it be then you need faith to be healed? 
Somebody needs to have faith, that's for sure. But it's not necessarily the one that needs the help. We're supposed to carry the power. We're supposed to carry the kingdom. But as long as you think you're a servant, as long as you think you're not anointed, as long as, long as you think you're still not ready, as long as you think that, you know, God, you have to go through some other process before God can use you, and maybe five years down the road you can set somebody free, people are going to keep going to hell, people are going to keep getting sick and dying, and you need to start looking at these hands of yours differently. You hear that? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, the same Spirit. Say that, the same Spirit. See, it's not about your experience. It's not about your knowledge. It's about who's in you. See, He's raised the dead before. He's the same Spirit. It's not like different spirits in, in different people. It's the same Spirit in every miracle ministry, in every man of God, in every woman of God, in all of God's generation. The same Spirit is in you. That's why the devil tries to convince you to think you don't have the Spirit. You're not anointed. No, because you're sons of God. He gave you the Spirit of His Son in your heart, crying, Abba, Father. But until you go to work and start doing it, it's just going to be milk and not meat. Oh, hallelujah. Hebrews 5. I'm sure you know the Scripture there. So, so remember, milk carnal, unspiritual, babes in Christ. Then we have meat, spiritual, mature sons in Christ. That's what we want to be. Amen? You want to be a mature son? Then you got to start doing something. If you want to feel anointed, act anointed. Just act like it. Just actually pretend that you think something can happen through you, and it will. You'll be surprised. Amen? That's why Peter said, you do well if you pay attention to what you have on the inside. Amen? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, talking about Melchizedek, the priesthood of Jesus. That's all Melchizedek is, the priesthood of Christ. Verse 11, concerning him we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. So the people in 1 Corinthians were on milk only. Say milk only. These people were so backslid they weren't even on milk. He said you have come to need milk. In 1 Corinthians 3 he said I only gave you milk. So two categories. Are you with me? So what happens if, if you don't have milk? You, the first thing, the purposes of God are hard to be explained. That's found in verse 11. We have much to say, but it's hard to explain. It's not that God doesn't know how to explain, but the kingdom of God becomes hard to understand for people. So what would the milk be? Hearing the word of God on a consistent basis. If you're not hearing it consistently, it's going to be hard for you to understand the things of God. That's why being in church is part of, part of your spiritual diet having a prayer life, having a, a, a devotional life. You know, sometimes we, we keep doing things because we're supposed to do it. See, that's because you're doing it wrong. 
It can't always be because we're supposed to do it. I understand sometimes you have to push beyond your flesh. You know, I'm sure many of you work today and you're tired and you're, you know, you're pressing in and that's it. I get that. What I'm saying is it can't be a drudgery all the time. It can't be something you're pushing yourself to do all the time because something is going wrong in your belief system. Because his burden is easy. His burden is light. He wants to commune with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to use you. Do you believe that? That's what it means. Your God shall be my God. Your Father shall be my Father. That's, it already is, but He wants us to get a hold of that. I pray that that's going to happen to you tonight like never before. That, God, that you're just going to have such a sense of that you are part of the family of God as never before. That He is your Father. That God is your Father. That, that He's, He's going to help you grow. He's going to help you become what you're supposed to be. Amen? And that's just as the understanding of that is you're growing up into what he said you already are. Hallelujah. So with no milk, the purposes of God are hard to explain. With no milk, we become dull of hearing. That's the second thing. Verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers. So with no milk, or not a steady diet of milk, which is hearing the word of God, the accurate word of God, you realize we can hear so many things and, and, and it may not be the Word of God in context. You know, you only hear about healing. That's not gonna, you're going to be lopsided. You're going to be weird. You know, you only, you only know about salvation. Come to Jesus and be saved. One day you're going to heaven. That's all you know. You're on milk, man. Hallelujah. God has more for you. Do you believe that? All his thoughts towards you are for good, not for evil. To give you a future, to give you hope, to give you an expected end. He wants to bless every part of your life. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to, he wants to bless your social life. He wants to bless everything, your school, your job. He's concerned about every part of you. So how can we only listen to one thing about one subject? That's why we need a steady diet of church, prayer time, time with one another. But you've got to have that time with him. Amen? That's why so many of us are trying, you know, we're trying to do the work of the Lord without having, without having His presence. I know He's in us, but you have, you have to have His presence with you. That's the thing He promised Moses. He says, my presence will go with you and give you rest. Praise the Lord. I hope you're getting something tonight. It says, by this time you ought to be teachers. So you miss your time. You become out of season. That's what happens. Man, I don't want to be out of season, do you? You need, you need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. So we become ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We keep conference after conference. I'm so sick of conferences. Aren't you tired of conferences? You think, where is it ever going to end? Where is it ever going to go? The, the reason is, is because we're not using what we have. It'll become, you know, if you're actually doing something, you need to be equipped because you need someone to, because you're breaking into new things. But if you, if you think faithfulness is coming to the conference, then it's, it's, it's not going to do you any good. I know that's not your heart, so please don't receive condemnation. I don't want you to think I'm talking to you that way. What I'm saying is, I believe the Spirit of God wants to show you the tools that He's given you to show you who you already are because you're really the only one that doesn't know who you are. 
You realize that? God knows who you are. He's hoping you find out. The devil knows who you are. He's hoping you don't find out. So we're the only ones that don't know who we are. We're not sure. Are we a servant? Are we a son? Are we in? Are we out? Does God love us? Does he hate us? Is he mad at us? Is he pleased with us? And so you just go through this whole, this whole drama. Why? Because we're still on milk. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk. So now we have the second category. What is milk? Hearing the word. Say that with me. Milk is hearing the word. It's also the elementary principles of Christ, the first doctrines. I started to say to you before the scriptural reasons for laying on of hands. The first one is to lay hands on the sick. The second is, to, is for people to receive the Holy Ghost. That's why we lay hands. Right? The, thir- the third reason is for ordination. How many is there? Three. To receive the Holy Ghost, to heal the sick, to ordain. So what if, what if, so what I'm saying to you is, what if you never get hands laid on you again? You said, I need impartation. just depends what you mean by impartation. I believe in impartation. But I believe you get more because you use more. Input determines output. The more you use, the more you get. He who hears these words of mine and acts on them, even he is a wise man. So we're always, the enemy traps us to feel like we always need more. We need one more time for a hand to be laid on our head. It can't be. It can't be that. I mean, at what point are we going to get it? At what point are we going to feel anointed? At what point are we going to have enough? How much does it take? Did you ever ask yourself that? I'm a practical person. If someone says we need to fast and pray, I want to know how long, how much. Don't just tell me fast and pray. Tell me how many days. I want to at least prepare myself. Three days, seven days, 20 days, 40 days. Okay, how much is enough? How much prayer is enough? That's why we said, we said this morning how in Luke 11, they said, teach us to pray. In Luke 10, they were already healing the sick and casting out devils, and they didn't even know how to pray yet. They weren't even saved yet. They were, they were with Jesus for nine months, and they were still doing it. We, we got the Holy Ghost, impartation, been to the training schools. We know how to pray in the Holy We've had all this stuff, and somewhere along the line, the enemy has tricked us into thinking, we can't do anything. It's crazy. Come on, look at someone say it's crazy. That's why you get burned out because because it something is making it harder than what it is. I mean, how hard is it? Speak to the mountain. Is that what he said? Let me read verse 14 and we'll go there. Solid food is for the mature who because of practice who because of practice, who because of use, who because they do it, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Oh, glory to God. My meat is to do the will. I want to encourage you tonight. God wants to use you. I said, I, I said God wants to use you. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God or have the faith of God.
In verse 13, he says, And seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it to see perhaps if he can find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So why would he curse it then? If it's not the season for figs, why would he curse it? Because, because there's a verse in Isaiah that says, If a righteous man comes, everything should begin to blossom. So it didn't respond to him, so he cursed it. Because he's a righteous man. Verse 14, he answered and said to it. Did you hear the language? He answered. There's no question, but he answered. He answered and said to it. See, we get, in pro- we get into trouble because we're talking to God about the problem and we're not speaking to the problem. We're trying to intercede like in the old days. That, that's, it's like, oh Lord, you know, remove this thing from... No, you're supposed to speak to it. You're supposed to rise up, take the sword of the Spirit. That's, that's why we're having testimonies because it's not just one person. It, it, it's the Spirit of God. Whoever has the courage to just step out and start doing it. Hallelujah. Someone say, whosoever. Means usoever. Say it again. Whosoever. Means usoever. These are all the words Christians don't believe, that believers don't believe. Jesus said, whosoever. He said, whatsoever. Whoever will. If any man ask anything in my name. But it's like we read it, but somehow it doesn't compute. Because that's unbelief. May no one eat fruit from you ever again. In verse 20, they were passing by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, behold, the tree, the fig tree which you cursed, is withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Or have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. I know, I know I'm, I'm sure you probably heard messages like this, but there must be a reason why the Spirit of God is finding it necessary to remind us of these simple truths. Because sometimes you can get so deep and have so much revelation and forget the simple stuff that makes all the other stuff work. Are you hearing that? See, your relationship with God doesn't have a whole lot to do with the power. If I had a son, I have a daughter, so if I had a son, and my son was close to me, and we have intimacy, and we have friendship, and I love him, and he wants to be a boxer, and no, he doesn't train. He wants to be a cage fighter. And no matter how much I love him, he's going to just get beat down every time he gets in the ring. I said, honey, I sure love that boy, but he can't fight worth a darn. He's just, he's just you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so, you see... That's what our worship and our prayer time is all about. We, ha- we are supposed to have a relationship with the Lord. We're supposed to have intimacy with the Lord. Can you say amen to that? But that doesn't have a whole lot to do with how, how if you know how to fight or not. My son could love me and I could love my son, but if he doesn't know how to fight, he's, he's going to get clobbered. He's going to get beat up every time. So can you, can you see what happens is we, we're, we're thinking that Intimacy equals power. It doesn't equal power. Because in Matthew 7, 21, they said, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. He said, depart from me. I don't know you. That means he never knew them, which means they never knew him. So they did all of that without even knowing God. And here we are. We know God, but we don't do anything. Because we listen to lies from the devil that he doesn't want to use us. You're not ready. You know, all this stuff. That's why you've got to rise up. 
I want to encourage you tonight. Rise up. Believe. Only believe. Believe. Your God is my God. Your Father is my Father. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, God has made us adequate and able dispensers of His Spirit. Can you imagine? God wants you to dispense His Spirit. Life-giving Spirit. Fire of the Holy Ghost. That's on the inside of you. He wants you to learn how to release it. Oh, boy. Do you believe what I'm saying to you? Is it computing? It's like, okay, I, I get that. It's okay. I just want, I want you to get it because I know the Lord has such great things for you. Let's read the scripture. Have the faith of God. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to act like him. Do you realize when God created the heavens and the earth, he did it by faith? He has faith. Faith is assurance. Faith is confidence. That's all faith is. Faith is seeing the outcome before it happens. If you're going through a trial and you can see the outcome with victorious eyes, you're in faith. Amen? So you stand on the Word, right? You speak to the problem. Is that what happens? Then you get tested. There's an in-between time. That's called the mean time. And that's when you hold fast to your confession. Then it comes to pass and it happens. But see, it's in the in-between time that we get messed up because then we meet resistance and if you're not clear on what the will of God is, then you think it's His sovereignty and it's not. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound by heaven. The word bind means to forbid. Whatever you forbid to happen on earth heaven will back you up and forbid it. Whatever you allow to happen on earth, heaven has to cooperate with you and let it happen. So it's not God's fault, it's the church's fault. It's because we don't know what we carry. It's because we don't understand He's given us the keys. He's given us the authority. He's given us the power. Are you hearing that? That's why power at the end of the day is mechanical. If those guys in Matthew 7, 21 could operate in that and they didn't even know God, it's mechanical. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind when you think about that? Because it, it, it just puts a totally different spin on... You mean God will let that happen? See, God loves people so much that He'll, he'll use you who is messed up to heal. Yeah, but I'm not right. He knows that. I'm not saying live in sin. I'm saying get right. But even in that process, He wants to use you. I mean, that's good news to all of us preachers because we really go through stuff, right? So the longer you're in ministry, you know, I mean, come on now. Hallelujah. I'm not saying we're living in sin. I'm saying that we need His grace in our lives. Praise the Lord. So God expects you to act like Him. As long as you know you're not him. But you're supposed to imitate him. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever. Are you a whoever? Talk to me. Are you a whoever? Don't say, if any apostle, if any bishop, if any archbishop, if anyone who fasts for 40 years. He said, whoever. That's totally general. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. 
Okay. So let's say I'm praying for somebody for healing, which really we're not even supposed to pray per se. We are to command. Because Jesus never actually prayed for anybody. He, come, he spoke to the problems to go and they left. But we talk to people about the problem. Or we talk to God about the problem. And he's saying, why are you talking to me about it? Operate in the authority that I've given you. Are you with me? So let's say I speak to a situation. And as I'm about to speak, or even as I'm speaking, a thought hits my mind called doubt. But what I'm saying to you is this. Okay, the word doubt means to hesitate. It means to back off. It means to withdraw. Are you hearing that? So let's say JR has a problem, and I, and I want to minister to him. Let's say he's a stranger. I say, you know what? I'm going to do what that crazy guy from Chicago said to do. And I'm going to walk up to somebody and just, and just by faith minister healing to somebody. So as, you, as you're doing it, you say, Lord, I, I, you know, see, it's what you believe that's going to come to pass. Are you with me? It's your ability to believe. That's all it is. So let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister to him. And as I'm walking up to him, because that's when you hear all the voices, right? I hear voices, right? And he says, no, this, it's not going to work. It's, and you say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. And then you say, hey, how are you doing? What's wrong with you? Oh, okay. And then you lay hands on him. You speak to it. And then all these voices, it's not going to work. See, you're crazy. It's not going to work. What's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. And so what happens is, Believe in your heart, don't doubt in your mind. So what happens is you, we, we get tricked into thinking that those thoughts are doubt. Okay, if you're going to rob a bank, would you all agree that's a sin? Okay, so let's say you, your bills aren't being paid and you have this crazy idea. I think I'm going to rob a bank. Now, did you rob the bank yet? Talk to me, did you rob it yet? But you thought about robbing it. But did you do it? So, is, so did you sin? You didn't sin. You just had a thought. Right? So that's called the temptation to sin. Because before you sin, you have to be tempted to sin. So what the enemy does is he tricks you into thinking that you've doubted when all that's happened is you've been tempted to back off what you're believing for. So you think, well, there's no use now because I've doubted in my mind. No, you didn't. You didn't doubt in your mind. That's just like Hagen used to say, you know, you can't stop a bird from making a nest. You, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Right? You're not, you're not in, see, the devil would have you to believe if you just thought it, then you're in sin. It says, if you look on a woman to lust after her in your heart, that means you keep on looking. And, beca- and because you, you don't, you're not disciplined, it gets into your heart, and then you act on what you've been doing. It's the same principle with everything. The Word is a seed. Amen? The Word is that seed. So the enemy comes, he tries, that's what he's saying here. Believe in your heart. Don't doubt in your mind. So the temptation to doubt is not doubt. So what I'm trying to tell you is you only lose if you quit. You only lose if you back off. Oh, glory to God. So you are spiritual. Amen? Someone say, I'm spiritual. Hallelujah. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things, whoever, 
all things for which you pray and ask. Wait a minute. I thought he said command. I thought he said speak to the thing. So now he's saying he's equating prayer with commanding. Speak to the mountain. Then he says pray. So it's interchangeable. You see it there? All things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received, past tense, and they shall be. Believe, present tense. You have received, past tense. Then you shall have it. Can you say amen to that? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Maybe five minutes and we'll, we'll start to minister to people. So I just want you to get that tonight. I really felt in my heart, though, the Spirit of God wanted to say that to us. He believes in you guys. Amen. Your God shall be my God. Let the, I just want that to, to echo. The, se- the second prophetic declaration I believe we need to make is called, Give me my mountain. That's what I heard God say, Give me my mountain. That's what Caleb began to rise up and say. He said, I'm strong today as I was 40 years ago. He's 80 years old at this point. And he tells Joshua, Give me my mountain. The mountain is the inheritance that God has. Now, we're not commanding God anymore. We're commanding the spirit realm to release what God said is ours. The city is ours. Amen? The miracles are ours. The healings are ours. The souls are ours. This belongs to you. Amen? Hallelujah. So I really believe that's a prophetic word for us. Your God shall be my God. Your Father is my Father. And then give me my mountain. That's, what, that's, that's the technology we need to speak in the spirit realm. Just begin to command and just believe. Just believe that God, that God has releasing that, that inheritance for you. Hallelujah. So we're, we're children until we go to work. And what's the work? Destroy the works of the devil. Amen? That's the first aspect of work. The second aspect is to trust the nature of the one who sent us. Trust in his nature. Trust in his nature. That means we've got to trust God for the harvest. Amen? Hallelujah. 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 All right, I feel released to stop. Let's, uh, why don't you guys come up and help me? Whoever wants to, Pastor Brian or whatever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we, are there any, uh, Senior pastors that are here, we'd like to minister to the leaders first. If you would kindly come up to the front. I saw you point to some folks over here. Are they left? Are they gone? If you want, if you don't have to, if you don't want, that's all right. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You got stuff on your heart? I mean, any of you can jump in. Praise the Lord. Want to prophesy? Amen. I'm stirred up. I don't know about you. Amen. This is this is this is something that God came and told me many years ago when we were having problems. 
And he personally took me aside and he said to me, he said, Ruth, you once might have been a nobody. Amen? Have you ever felt like you were a nobody? Honestly, do you ever feel like that now, that you feel like you're a nobody? I know what it feels like to be a nobody. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I become a somebody. Amen? I become a child of God. I was adopted in the, in the, the natural, and I never knew my biological father. And I was adopted, and I had a father that raised me, and I loved him dearly. But I never knew the love of the father. So many, many years, I felt like I was a nobody. Amen? Until God came and told me, he said, Ruth, before you were in your mother's womb, who I never knew, I only knew her name, never met her. I know she's in heaven now, and I'll meet her one day. He said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Do you know that? Isn't that awesome? That God the Father knew me before I was in my mother's womb. And do you know what? That just destroyed the yoke of rejection. Amen? Because God said it. And if God said it, I believe it. And most of the problem is that we don't believe what God says in his word about us. Amen? We don't believe it. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? Oh, but somebody will come and tell you that you're this, you're that. You might have had words said over you when you were a child. Amen? That you're a nobody. Amen? But I was once a nobody. But then I became a somebody when I gave my heart to Jesus. Amen? Then, Pastor Derek's been preaching my favorite scripture where I preach it everywhere I go. So, I've got the microphone now and I'm going to confirm that word. Because I'm no longer a nobody or a somebody, I'm now a whosoever. And it says, whosoever shall say. Say what? You've got to say it with your mouth. One inch below your, your, your nose. Amen? But most of the time we think about it. You've got aches and pains in your body. Or you've got situations, financial problems and all that. They're all mountains. Amen? But you've got to open your mouth and speak to it. Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Now, didn't Jesus say it? So didn't Jesus say that if you love me, you will do what I say? Amen? Do you love Jesus? Then why are you not speaking to your mountains? Why are you not speaking to the pain you got in your body? Why are you not speaking to that horrible thing, depression? That's a mountain. It's in the spirit realm. Amen? It's an oppression. The word of God said he's given us the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What gets rid of depression? I know that some people here have suffered with it and you might be suffering with it now. But God is here tonight to heal you of that wretched depression because you've got to do something too. He's already done it. Don't you think when he was on the cross that he dealt with it? But you know what? The problem's up here. And the problem is in our heart. We don't want to do it. We get stubborn. We get stiff-necked. And I can tell you a, a story about my daughter. And I told it once before behind this pulpit. She, re- she, she moved out of the house and it broke my heart because she was rebellious. And her father gave the permission, you have to go. 
rebellion is in the house. She's a sweet girl now. She's beautiful. But it broke my heart when she went. And, you know, I took this scripture that Jesus said here in Luke 11. He said, Ruth, whatsoever things do you desire? I said, God, I desire my girl to come home. I desire it with all my heart. And isn't that what the father desires too? That the prodigals come home? Amen? I said, okay, God, you're telling me here whatsoever things I desire when I pray that I'm to believe and that I will receive those things which I believe. So faith is an action. If you don't put an action to your faith, you're going to receive nothing. You can have what is called dormant faith. It's sitting there. And I can tell you it's been sitting here in some of you people tonight for years. And it's time now, as Pastor Derek's been saying, is to get up and do something about it. So you know what I did? I I went into my daughter's bedroom and I was beginning to see with the eye of faith. I began to put into action. I went over to a wardrobe. I opened up the door and I said, Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that my daughter's clothes are hanging up. Not saying they may be or she could be. I said... Thank you, Lord. I went and made her bed. Actually, I messed it all up. And I said, oh, God, I thank you that she slept here last night. Amen? I thank you, Lord. I even went to the door, and it might seem stupid to you. And I opened up the door one day, and I said, oh, Cheryl, it's so good to have you come home. Come on in, darling. Let's have a cup of tea. But I put faith into action. And sometimes you've got to do that. Amen? Because it is my desire, but it's also his desire. Amen? And you know what? In six weeks, she come home. Amen. Because the desire came to pass. But I had to do something. I had to speak it out. Amen. That's what a lot of people... I know this word clashes a lot with people. I've seen people when I've preached this, their backs go up. Because it's something that the enemy has a hold over our emotions and feelings. You don't want to do it. Because it might, might sound stupid. But I'm going to tell you now, one of the keys that my husband, and you know my husband very well, and you know my son Wayne, we have taught this for nearly 12 years. And I'm so excited that now it's coming here to sail. But it's coming from a man from overseas, actually two men from overseas. I've heard Papa preach this. He's right on the dot with it too. Amen? But there's been something that I have felt over this region of Gippsland that has been suppressing and the enemy has not wanted people to get out and do it. Amen? I can't hear you. Amen. This is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call because it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Who wants to please God? I do. I want to give him a big smile. I want him to smile and say, Ruth, well done. Good girl. You're putting into action... What my word says is you've got to do it. But our body and our mind says, I, that sounds stupid. I don't want to do that. Let's just go and pray, hand, lay hands on people. That I'm going to tell you now. Last night, when we were sitting around the table, uh, Derek was saying something, would you pray for me? And all of a sudden, I'll tell you what I saw in the spirit, is a big bulldozer. Actually, the colour was like a yellow-orange colour. It was huge. And Derek was sitting in it. And I told him, didn't I, Derek? I said, 
You know what a bulldozer does, Derek? It goes in and it clears the land. And I said, you're going to go in tomorrow and you're going to clear something. You're going to push back something in the spirit realm so that people are going to get a foundation on what you're bringing across here. He said to me at morning tea, what do you think, Pastor Ruth? I said, you know what, you've just turned the key on. I said, you know what, the next session you're going to go into first gear. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night by the end of the meet or Saturday night, is it? I tell you what, something is going to be removed over Gippsland. You know, we've got an open heaven. Papa's come here and he's prayed. There's an open heaven for all those things that he prophetically said. I've heard the CD. Pastor Brian sent us a copy. You know, the enemy does not want to see those things come to pass. He wants to keep people sick. He wants to keep them bound. He wants them to keep them not getting their finances and that, you know? But I can tell you now, what Pastor Derek is bringing and Jaya is a word from heaven, and we better take heed to it. It's time to step up and not be babes anymore. Take hold of the word. Begin to eat it and chew it, because I tell you what, this is the word that set me free. Amen? In my mind, in my will, and in my emotions, because I'm no longer a nobody. I'm a somebody and now I'm a whosoever. And I will say, any, and I hate the devil with vengeance. He's tried to wipe me out a few times. And even last week, let me tell you, he tried again. And I was in agony, in pain. I couldn't sleep. I had shocking pain. I went to the doctor. I didn't know what was going on. And, um, and then he turns around and he says to me, um, you have to go and have a mammogram. Because straight away... The mind begins to think about things. I said, "Uh uh-uh, here comes that big word again. And the enemy was kept telling me that. But I wanted to prove him wrong. And I did, because I spoke. See, what happens is fear is a snare. Fear is a snare. Who said it tonight about 1, was it 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7? No, 1 Peter. Who said it? 1 Timothy. You did. Jaya. Jaya. Fear is an enemy. You've got, to get, you've got to get rid of fear first. That's a mountain. Amen? Get rid of fear. Because that's the thing that, that would want to kill you. And God told me once, he said, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. Well, who did then? Who did? Who gave it to me? It's in me. I gave you love. And fear robs your love, even to love people. Fear, it's a snare. It robs your what? Your power. He's out to get the power, so he puts fear in you. And he robs your mind. And there's so many people today, I tell you what, it makes me angry to see mental sickness around, mental illness. And we're supposed to be God's people that are able to set people free. But I had to get rid of a spirit of fear out of my life. And I got it out. And it was because I spoke it out. Because I had life and death facing me a second time. And I said, no, devil, you're not going to take my life. Amen.